You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. This is Locked On Hornets, your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Search your podcast app for Locked On to get podcasts on the NBA, the NFL, Major League Baseball, and fantasy sports. I'm Doug Branson. We are joining you live from the Gittimer.com studios in BEA, beautiful uptown Charlotte, just down the street from Spectrum Center. I'm joined by my co-host, the man, the myth, the legend. He's been covering the Hornets since they were the Bobcats for the website at thehive.com, David Walker. Doug, we missed April Fool's Day by one, which I'm good with. I couldn't have used any more tricks. I'm fine with it. And, tricks. and yeah. shout out to the Hornets, who, as far as I know, I didn't see anything. Maybe they slipped something in in social media, but I didn't see them doing anything April Fool's. I'm very anti-April that's, Fool's. This is not that, going to surprise this is not going to surprise anyone that I'm anti something that a lot of people are not anti. Uh, that's what um, is it? That's very, you say that's very on brand for me a lot. That David. is very on brand for you. I'm glad the Hornets did that too. That's, 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 that's reading your audience. That's knowing when not, we don't need an April Fool's this season. Let's just have one year. Let's just take a break. I feel that's what April Fool's needs. I feel like we have, uh, we have, over, the, especially with the advent of the internet and social media isn't every day. Yeah. Isn't every day April fools now? <laughs> Honestly, it's starting to feel that way. That is a great point. That's right. Because I, I come on this show every day almost and say that something isn't real. You mm-hmm. fell for the sister Jean ploy on, on social it. media. Sneaky. Like, thanks. Oh my God. That's so brilliant. David with, with this, well, so with social media, and the internet every day is April Fool's. There's always something fake, always something ready to fool you and, yep. and asking you, begging you to spread it as far as it will go. It's not, we don't need a day anymore. <laughs> we don't need to celebrate anymore. No, you're right. Oh, man. I just blew wow. my mind. <laughs> <laughs> First day okay. on Monday. Whew. All right. This is going to be a good show. We've got a weekend recap of Hornets basketball. Uh, some good things happened. Uh, one particularly not-so-great thing happened. They were eliminated from the playoffs over the weekend, but we do have two games to look back on and try to uh, pull some nuggets out of. And really, that's what the Hornets are trying to do right now is just find little small things uh, that they can take uh, into the offseason and into next season because a lot of these players, again, are under contract. Now, a new general manager may come in and – and want to send some of those contracts away. Uh, but they they will be evaluating uh, those players uh, as the uh, days and weeks continue into this season. Only a few left. So we will uh, we'll look at those weekend games, plus uh, we'll dig into the satchel of NBA LOLs. The NBA schedule suits treated the Hornets, David, to an afternoon back-to-back on Easter weekend. First, they traveled to Washington to take on the Wizards on Saturday, Hornets went into this game with a chance for a season sweep over the Wizards, a small victory in a season with few of them, but a strong second half showing from the Wizards meant another loss on the Hornets record. Hornets lose 107 to 93. I will start with this game. What were your takeaways from that game against the Wizards? 
Dwight had another big game. I mean, the big thing for me, though, there was a lot of hubbub around Malik Monk getting 17 points in 23 minutes. Needed 17 shots to get said 17 points, though, Doug. Uh, I'm hearing a lot, I don't know about you, that Monk, hey, he's starting to play well. And and my reaction often to that is he's he's that he's when he's playing. Um, but I think a lot of people are looking for a spark here from Monk. I think the minutes are the most important thing. I'm still not too zeroed in on the efficiency or the percentages you'd like to see those get better um but i'm glad people are enjoying that a little bit you still want to see him get a little more efficient like i said but he's he's getting the shots up that's never been a problem that that has never been a problem from malik monk no he's averaging uh nearly 12 attempts per game over the last five games he is shooting 44 percent from the field 44 percent from three averaging mm-hmm. 12.4 shots on those nearly 12 attempts he is finding his shot he's finding those little moments when he can knock down two, three in a row, starting to build, it's a step in the right direction for him offensively. Uh, that's that's sort of my reaction whenever anyone yeah. says, what do you think of Malik Monk past five games, starting to find a shot? I'm sorry. He play, he's playing well offensively. There are still right. a, a lot of areas where where he's going to need to learn. Uh, I think he he had five turnovers in the next game that we're, we're going to cover. So... There's still some areas where he's still finding his way in terms of decision-making with the pass, in terms of determining when he should shoot or move the basketball. Uh, so those are all things that it's just going to take time. It's just going to yeah. take time for the – I was looking back at Lou Williams, a, a popular NBA comp to Malik Monk, and Lou – was not shooting the, the the three ball well uh, early in his career and was not getting to the free throw line a lot early in his career. That's another thing when you look at Malik Monk. Like for all of the attempts, very few opportunities at the line for him because he's not – he when he goes inside and he's doing that a little more over the past couple of games, not really looking for contact, looking no. more for the floater. And, and when he does make contact, he tends to turn the ball over more than he does pick up a foul. But <clears throat> again – all that to say, it's early. Yeah. And another thing on this one, Doug, thankfully, Kimball Walker had broken the franchise scoring record prior to this game in Washington. We talked about that a little bit last week, but a bit of a down game for Kemba here, just seven points in 32 minutes. Um, but, you know, that would have been a very anticlimactic had he, you know, scored those seven points, gotten the record, and then just kind of, kind of, you know, fizzled out in, in this game. Um, no, obviously, no no shots at Kemba. Just glad that he was able to do that when he was as opposed to taking it on the road as he wanted. And other numbers to look at, no three-point attempts for Frank Kaminsky, only six points, uh, six rebounds in this one. And the Hornets in general not shooting the three ball well, six of 23 from the field, 26% in this game. And 17 turnovers did not help that effort uh, in the second half as well. Uh, so that's something I think they they really have to address moving into next season and beyond is is three point shooting. It has not been uh, nearly at the level that it that it needs to be to compete uh, with some of these better offensive teams in the Eastern Conference. Though they have played well this season against Washington, and as you mentioned, Dwight Howard with the double double, twenty two points, thirteen rebounds for Dwight. Uh, another double double. I think this is the game where he tied Larry Johnson for. Uh, number of double doubles in a season for the Charlotte Hornets. So another Hornets record going down to <laughs> Dwight Howard and Kimball Walker. Yeah, I mean just individually. Uh, even though this season they haven't been able, and I think that's something. 
you know, I, uh, Rick Bunnell wrote about it uh, over the weekend in the Charlotte Observer. A lot of people pointing to Dwight Howard and saying, look, individually, you look at the numbers and he's he's had a little bit of a bounce back season in certain areas and in certain areas it, it hasn't been bounced back. But maybe just questioning whether Dwight Howard works within this framework. Yeah. Is that a fair, you think that's fair to look at? Certainly. Everything's fair to look at at this point because they have not had the season that they wanted to. And the way Dwight plays, as we've noted all along the way, you know, it's a bit of a throwback, right? It's it's not something that's you see a lot in today's NBA. So to try and make that fit with this team, it's been a struggle. And that, I mean, that was one of the big questions. We all thought Clifford could be the Dwight whisperer. And as far as Dwight goes, like you said, man, I mean, he's had a great season individually. It just hasn't translated into wins. And um, our buddies at, at the Hive actually had a good rundown last week on Dwight and his season here and the impact mm-hmm. he's had. And uh, I was just taking a read at that or taking a look at that and, and reading it. It was, it, was a, it was a good look at it, I thought, because I, I think everyone in the mix shares some of the blame. And I think a lot of the times people are laying too much of that on Dwight at times. I mean, he's he's done a lot of what they've asked him to do that just has not been able to translate into wins for the team. And 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 a lot of factors into that, right? Like Batum out to start the season. Uh, there's been some on-court chemistry issues trying to figure out a way to play with Dwight when, when new guys come in. Yeah. So it's been a, an adjustment. Well, it's been an adjustment for everyone. And, and yes, you point to Nick Batum uh, being out at the beginning of the year, so they didn't develop chemistry. I, I, we've spoken a lot about how Kimba's size – makes it a little bit more difficult for him to get the ball into Dwight Howard where, you know, deep post position. They, they It took them a really long time, longer than I anticipated Kimba and Dwight, to find a groove with the, with the alley-oop, which is really where, I mean, the lob pass is really where Dwight makes a lot of his bread. And and he really never found a consistent partner to work those, to work those lob plays with all season. And so I think that led to an uptick in his just traditional post game, which right. everyone that you speak with about Dwight Howard will note is not, you know, his strength. You know, offensively, yeah. that's not where Dwight Howard succeeds. But I think overall, when you look back on it, it was a gamble worth taking. It was a gamble they had to make because otherwise they would have been stuck with Zeller and and Miles Plumley, and and you know they they would not have had any front court depth. And so it was a gamble worth taking. It just looks like the the pieces just are not fitting together because they built. Listen, they built uh, they built a team that needed ball movement to succeed offensively, and it it just it just hasn't. Uh, and, yeah. and and that's been a big a big issue for them, especially in the fourth quarter. Uh, and and yeah. this all goes back to a lack of two way play. I mean that's that's the big thing. Like they can't they can't get the offense and the defense to work on the same page. Uh, quarter to quarter, and that's been a, a big uh, a big reason why the record stands where it is. Uh, so a, a complicated issue, uh, and uh, one that I think that they could look to address in the off season to try to figure out a way to either make it work for another season with Dwight Howard or find another destination for Dwight Howard if they can find a willing trade partner. Yeah, and I think you know the play of. Hernan Gomez as of late, because he's been putting up, you know, he's been contributing when he's in there and looking pretty comfortable doing so. I mean, that may be a factor, Doug, because, I mean, how do you go into this if you don't have any depth, as you mentioned? Because you can't count on Zeller at this point to be available for an entire season, right? I, responsibly, I don't think you can count on that. Um, 
If no, you have but Hernan I mean, Gomez. yeah, but Hernan Gomez doesn't offer you doesn't offer you no. any kind of rim protection. Like you're, if you lose Dwight, you still have to figure out yeah. some way to protect the rim, or maybe you just or or that or or figure out a different defensive strategy because that's been mm-hmm. the defensive strategy for several years now under Steve Clifford is defend the rim at all costs. And and Dwight freed up some of those wing defenders to to guard the three point line a little bit more stringently, uh, but it left them a little slow on the defensive end too, a little more susceptible to ball movement and kickouts. So it, it, you know these are all trade offs, and and the Hornets are trying to figure out a way uh, uh, to to navigate this uh, with or without Dwight Howard. Uh, short break. We're gonna come. We're going to come back and break down Sunday's matchup versus the Sixers. You're listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets Podcast. Here on Basketball Reference, one of my favorite things is the nicknames they have listed for people. Take a guess at what Zach Collins' nickname is. Uh, the, the Big Cricket. Doug. Doug. <laughs> yeah, I can't. A really good How am I supposed to compete? With the big cricket. (laughs) Does make sense. Get more Hornets analysis on LockedOnHornets.com. On Easter Sunday, the Hornets were back home for another early tip, this time against the Philadelphia 76ers. Hornets had a full injury list, though. Jeremy Lamb was a game-time decision with a sore left foot. Trevion Graham is in the concussion protocol out till further notice. Dwayne Bacon has a right ankle sprain. He was out. Cody Zeller still out with left knee soreness. And, of course, MCW out the rest of the year after having a shoulder surgery. Sixers were dealing with some injuries as well. No Joel Embiid after he got hit in the face by Markel Fultz. An accident, not on purpose. And they also were without the services of Super Dario, Dario Saric. But the Hornets lose again 119-102. to David how did this one get so out of hand with, with a few of the Sixers stars on the bench? Well, one of the stark contrasts in this game to me, Doug, and you mentioned it talking about the Hornets previously, the ball movement of the 76ers was just lightning quick to me. And you saw the difference in a team like that who's got several players out there on the floor that can not only move the ball, but can they have some taller players out there, with you know, aside from like McConnell and, and, and Reddick. But those guys are... Yeah, you know, they have several guys out there that can play and guard multiple positions. They are moving the ball around, especially late in that game, just two steps ahead of the Hornets and getting whatever shot they wanted, getting multiple good looks within one possession until they finally, you know, would settle on their best look. And that was the big difference to me, just kind of in the development of a team. I mean, this is a young team, but they were, and this is like without Embiid and without Simmons at times, they were moving the ball around so well. It was just impossible oh, yeah. for the Hornets and their defense to keep up with. And that's something the Hornets, like you said, have just not been able to do. Yeah, I mean, I think Embiid more so than Dario, but Dario too is a little bit of a ball stopper in that he likes those ISO situations where he can break guys down off the dribble and get inside. So without those two players, I mean, Brett Brown just sort of opened the gates and oh. let let the ponies run. I mean, they were just yeah. getting up down, up and down the court, forcing the Hornets to get back onto tra- into transition. The starters seemed to do that a little bit better than the bench uh, but when Ben Simmons was out there against some of the Hornets' second-unit players, it was just no contest, uh, and that's nah. how this one got so out of hand. And then, you know, you put, you have to put MKG onto Ben Simmons because that's the size matchup 
that you want there. Uh, but what MKG does defensively is work to force the ball out of your hands. And Ben Simmons has no problem doing that. You know, that sort of plays mm-hmm. to Simmons' strength. He's not necessarily a player who goes and looks for his offense first. And so he's not going to uh, turn the basketball over by looking for his offense. He's going to, you know, if they do turn the basketball over, it's going to look for others. And uh, they did a good job uh, of protecting the ball, and the Hornets did not. 17 turnovers, or excuse me, 16 turnovers in this game. Malik Monk had five. Kimba and Batum each had four. So the the guards spreading the turnover responsibilities around. Uh, Howard, Dwight Howard, surprisingly only had one turnover, David. Howard leads all Hornets uh, this season in turnovers per game at 2.6, just above Kimba Walker at 2.3, but uh, he limited his impact on on that part of the game. But overall, the Hornets just not protecting the ball, letting the 76ers get into transition, and that was all she wrote. Yeah, Howard, again, a double-double, a 10-10. and 10. I mean, it's amazing. Record just breaker. Roll, roll him out there. <laughs> it's amazing, honestly. Roll him out there, he gets a double-double. But yeah, man, what about Simmons? Because – this rookie of the year race is coming down to the wire. I've been on Simmons. Been, I've been on the Simmons bandwagon. And love, everybody's been talking about Donovan Mitchell, and I've been but saying you, Ben Simmons. And and when you watch Simmons, he like he doesn't look like a rookie, right? And and I know he he had a redshirt year basically, but he is just going to be terrifying uh, over the next you know ten years or so. Um, I guess as players are going now, they're just going to play forever like LeBron. But uh, he, how skilled is he, man? I mean, he's huge. You can't. I mean, what guard in the league can stop him from going somewhere when he really wants to get there? It's the skill, it's the size, it's the speed, but more than any of, of those things, it's how effortless he makes everything look. You know, mm-hmm. while while everyone else is struggling to kind of find find where they're supposed to be on the floor, figure out what's going on with the play, Ben Simmons is already three steps ahead of you. Like put, and, yeah. and I'm not picking on Malik Monk here. I'm really not. But... Put those two guys side by side in terms of of how quickly they are seeing the floor develop and the la- and the passing lanes develop. And again, Ben Simmons has been playing the played the point guard position in in college, so has a little bit more experience on ball probably than Malik Monk does. But I'm just saying, just just to give you the gap, it, it is tremendous right. between those two players. And uh, yeah, he's going to be fun to watch. And and really, um, I don't know where the uh, look at the NBA standings and see who who the Sixers are going to have right now if the season ended. But I would lo- I would really love to see that Sixers Cavs matchup. And mm. nope, it's Sixer. It would be Sixers Pacers. Mm. So yeah, uh, if maybe if the if the listen, it's it's not out of the realm of possibility that the Cavs could slide to four or five and open up that Sixers-Cavs matchup. But I think that would be a fantastic first-round matchup. Yeah, right now the Sixers on a 10-game winning streak after that win over the Hornets. Uh, So, hey, Jeremy Lamb decided to give this one a go, David. Uh, That doesn't seem like a very big deal, but it is late in the season. We've seen other Hornets a little less less willing to get out there and, and fight through uh, uh, pain or or fight through soreness, but Lamb deciding to get out there. I'm not sure we he would have been that durable in past seasons. Really speaks to some of Jeremy Lamb's development, I think. Yep, a good point, and something that we marked as key going into the season was his development. Could he take a jump? And he really has. Um, so you know, there's a lot of talk about the development from the coaches within on this roster. 
you know, Kimball Walker is basically only that only guy you can point to. But Jeremy Lamb's been here for a few years, has finally taken that jump for himself and was a big part of the season this year. I mean, you think back, Batum was out and Lamb really popped uh, as a starter and didn't didn't let off too much as he went back to the bench. I mean, he's been a key guy for them. They just don't have enough Jeremy Lambs that can do things effortlessly offensively and, and be out there and be a big body for him. I mean, that's going to be the key next season is just cloning Lambs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just let's right. get some, let's get, get the, the Dolly experiment. You know, let's just get, yeah, get in the lab and figure out a way to find some more Jeremy Lambs. Uh, struggled from the field in this one uh, against the Sixers, but was two of four from beyond the arc, David. He's had an up and down year from deep. He's gone through periods where he's been absolutely on fire and then other, you know, valleys where he hasn't been able to knock down a three to save his life. But He's now averaging 1.2 made three-pointers per game. That would be his first season over one. And his 36.4% mark would be a career high. There aren't many categories, David, that he has not set a career high in this year. Uh, I really hope they find a way to keep him in teal and purple. There have been some discussions about his $7 million a year number and how that could, with that development, it could be easy to find someone to take that $7 million away from the Hornets and open up some cash for them to make some other maneuvers. But he's absolutely one of the success stories of this generation of Hornets basketball, and uh, he has been a joy to sort of watch develop and, and, and get stronger and, and just develop his overall game, like his passing, his, his willingness to pass, and then his ability to see things open up, I think, has been fun to watch as well. It's something I never – I sort of expected him, even if he wa- – like I expected some development. I expected him yeah. to get better offensively. I expected him to get a little better defensively. But I did not expect his – sort of his vision, his court vision, and his playmaking abilities to improve. But those have this season. That's one of those things that they're going to have to look and figure out what – direction they're taking this team right because if it's a a breakdown if it's a blow up then it doesn't really matter who you try and keep around I think Um, but it's a shame to see him develop these players finally and then have them on a good contract and then move them just for the sake of making a couple of other moves that might not impact anything anyway you know what I mean yeah so like I I just think they have to they have to examine everything as a whole figure out what they want to do figure out what's doable if it's keeping them together, if it's making minor adjustments, because it's hard to see moving out Lamb, a guy they've been able to develop again, as a minor adjustment to getting better with this current core. You know what I mean? Like it's hard that they don't have enough. As we've said, they need more guys like that. And so to ship him out on a good deal is going to be a tough pill to swallow if it's just going to be a Band-Aid type thing or, or maybe a tweaking type thing. So we'll see. Former Hornet player Marco Bellinelli, 9 of Mm -hmm. 10 from the field in this game. 22 points to lead all scorers. I didn't think we'd be saying this, but how sorely have they missed his contributions on the floor, speaking (laughs) of of playmakers? Well, Doug, you know, that's why we didn't include Marco Bellinelli in our famous draft night trade. Uh, on uh, that sent out uh, Jeremy Lamb, yeah, <laughs> Jeremy Lamb <laughs> to get a backup. Well, we were guard. that's the thing we were thinking that's short term. We were not it. thinking long term. <laughs> yeah, and we were also thinking they couldn't afford to give up that shooting. But Marco, we're, which never... well, hold on, hold on, we were sort of right about that. <laughs> sort of, sort of. They didn't have any shooting, and that was plain to see. 
Uh, I mean, never fails, does it? Never fails that that a, a former Bobcat slash Hornet comes back and will roast you for a four-point play at some point. I think it's interesting that so we shipped out Marco Bellinelli and got Dwight Howard in return. I think, again, it was a gamble they had to make, but it was a rare trade that moved one very valuable skill for another. In Marco Bellinelli, it was his ability to move off ball, create problems for defense, get for defenses, get the defense to shift. He he was a huge problem for Malik Monk on several of those possessions. Monk just had no chance of of hanging with Marco. And um, you know, when 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 Marco gets it rolling, it's it's tough for a lot of players oh, to, yeah. to to hang with him. Uh, but he he had the ability to move the basketball and also move without the basketball. And that's a skill that not uh, that that I think this Hornets bench could could you know definitely needed throughout this season, um, and they got it. They got another valuable skill in Dwight Howard's physicality underneath the rim and his ability to change the game with his rebounding. And they also traded one problematic player for another because you know Marco Bellinelli at his worst was a bad shot taker, turnover machine, and Dwight Howard at his worst is a sort of. Uh, locked in to uh, under the basket and a rebound hunter and a turnover machine himself. Uh, so it's interesting, sort of they they plugged one hole and and another one opened up. So they'll have to find some ways to maybe plug all the holes. That's the idea. <laughs> Trying to figure well, out a I'll way to this. solve all the problems, and and that's what this offseason will <laughs> Let's be. Let's do about. that. Yeah. I don't think Marco would have been breaking any franchise records this season. I'll, I'll go on a limb and say that. So if you want to try and weigh it that way, uh, I guess <laughs> you can do that. I don't know. All right. We will uh, we'll be back tomorrow, Twitter Tuesday. Send your, send your questions about the Charlotte Hornets, the NBA, yeah. or anything you want. We'll, we'll attempt to answer it tomorrow on Twitter Tuesdays at Locked on Hornets is uh, the Twitter handle. Thanks so much for listening to this edition of Locked on Hornets here on the Locked on Podcast Network. Follow us on Instagram as well at Locked on Hornets. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, Spotify, whatever you use to get your podcast. Just search Locked on Hornets and tell a friend about the best place to get your Hornets news and analysis every weekday. We're back tomorrow for David. I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte.